progressive ideas, conversations from schools, and the newest concepts in education. This is the School Leadership Podcast. Could the relationship between a head and their school business leader be the most important one in school? It's a notion we're about to explore here in the School Leadership Podcast with NEHT. Hello and welcome. You're going to hear the results of a broad and really useful conversation between Natalie Arnett, Senior Equalities Officer at NEHT, and someone who's been a Chief Financial Officer in MATs, a CEO and a Director of Learning. He's got some incisive and thought-provoking things to say on the importance of historical financial data in a school and the intuitive ways that you can use that data. There's also insight about the best ratios for your school's circumstances and the always increasing prominence of integrated curriculum financial planning. Let's meet our guest and directly afterwards we'll give you a steer on the conference where you can hear more of his wisdom and an exclusive discount code for both member and non-member tickets. We're delighted to welcome Husham Khan with us on our podcast today. Husham is the author of the new book, Financial Intelligence for School Business Leaders, which came out in 2021. And Husham, I think you have a kind of extensive experience in the school business leadership sector. I wonder before we hear about your book, if you could kind of just give us a little bit about your background and your experience in education. So I started my career in, uh, well, school business management uh, back in 1999. And I was straight out of uh, university, my first proper job. And I went to work for the uh, for a local authority in Sandwell, not too far from where I live. And I did a sort of one-year graduate training scheme with the council. Uh, and then after that, I, I joined Birmingham City Council. I was there for about three years. Uh, and then after then, that's really when my school business manager career sort of really kicked off because I got my first uh, school post in in, a, in one school in a secondary in 2004. Uh, and then after then, went into a, another secondary. Uh, and then I then I sort of became a consultant and uh, worked for a number of schools. And that's something I continue to do now. So I've spread across about 15 schools. Uh, and I really enjoy it. I love being in, in the thick of it. Every day is different, and certainly the last couple of years have been uh, the most challenging I've ever seen, but it's a job I absolutely love. I think that will um, certainly echo with a, with a number of members uh, what you're talking about, kind of the, the changes over the last few years in particular. So it sounds like, Husham, you've got a lot of experience in a, in a whole range of different settings, you know, maintained schools, academies, trusts, um, small and large. Um, so it feels like you're very well placed to be developing a book around financial uh, intelligence. So where did the idea the idea come from to, to create a book and kind of where did you feel that the need was? Uh, well, it's something I've always wanted to do and uh, I've never sort of really known what uh, type of book it, it was going to be. But I think towards the start of the pandemic, it quickly became clear to me that there was a gap in the, uh, not only my own knowledge, but I think in the knowledge of school business leaders in general, uh, and yes, there were some things out there, but there was nothing which really brought it all together. And I wanted to produce a book, not just for um, the business side of schools, but also to, to make it cross over into the pedagogy um, 
sort of realm as well. And what this does, this bridges the, it's that sort of bridge between pedagogy and school business. Um, and quite a lot of head teachers and governors have also bought the book. I'll probably get more more heads by the book than than um, business managers, school business leaders, surprisingly. That's through just some of the feedback I've had on my, my social media and some of the comments I've had from, from readers. But the way it sort of started is that um, towards the start of COVID, so this is going back in sort of February, March 2020, um, I started collecting lots of different data and formulas, which I was having to use within the, the many schools, academies, trusts that I work with. Um, uh, I, I sort of put in a lot of formulas into practice in order to sure up the finances in order to protect them to help them navigate what was coming because none of us knew at that time at the start of 2020 what this what covid would look like especially in a, in a year or two nobody sort of knew at the beginning of, of covid how this was going to play out and what i did find is back in sort of march 2020 is that there was a lot of uncertainty around school finances how schools were going to function operationally as well and how they were going to sort of navigate the this uh, new COVID landscape, this new sort of uh, world that we were about to enter. And it was a scary place to be, I think, as a business leader. Uh, but one of the things that did get me through was speaking to my peers, speaking to other schools, uh, and just speaking to each other, really, because it was quite a quite a tough time for everybody from a from a mental health perspective as well. But um, but I collected all these formulas, and many of them were new formulas that had never been used in the in the sector. And I thought I've got so much good stuff here. I want to share it with people. I don't want to just keep it to myself. I want to share it with the my networks, with the you know, with all the business leaders across the country, because I think there's a lot of benefit that could come from this. So what I did is I wrote everything down and made notes, and again realised I had enough to write the book. Uh, so for about 18 months over COVID, on top of my day job, I I, um, I wrote a book as well, which sort of took me into the evenings and weekends. So it's quite hard going. You know, I did many weeks. We did sort of 70, 80 hours of work and writing the book. Uh, but I was determined to get it out there. And then in August last year, it was published. And it soon became uh, a bestseller on Amazon in quite a short space of time. And we see a wide range of readers that buy the that buy the book now, ranging from uh, executive head teachers, including uh, um, head teachers, CEOs, CFOs, school other school business leaders. But surprisingly, as well, we have a lot of people who are on the business leader, business manager courses, some of the SIP training, um, even some of the MBAs and um, MSCs. So those students have started to buy it now, and it's part of the the reading list for a lot of courses out there as well. So it's been really been used extensively now, which is great news. And that's that's what I wanted it to do. I wanted it to be available to everybody, not having it be a, like a barrier because of price and stuff like that, but have it available to everybody. And it's um, not only has it sort of has it been really popular in this country, but it's actually crossed the, uh, the international waters as well. And we've had um, people asking me questions from mainland Europe from America and from Australia as well, because a lot of the research I did on when I was writing the book was it was within the American system as well to see 
how they uh, measured their sort of data, their financial data, their key metrics, but also to look at the differences between the American system and the, the, the English system to see where there were sort of commonalities as well. And we also transcended into sport and especially elite sport and Formula One to see how they forensically monitor and uh, analyze their, their sort of performance data. And, uh, and that we've adopted some of that thinking and really brought it into this book to, to enhance the way and to change the way that school business leaders think. Wow, I mean that's that's incredible, Husham. I mean the, the kind of the pickup um, and the fact that you know you were able to able to write a book alongside uh, a very full time day job in a, in really difficult times is is amazing. So um, I think it shows that kind of real need for this, and it, it's really interesting how you talked about it almost as a a bit like a collective endeavour and that shared understanding and, and, and sharing of learning, um, which I think we, which I think really happened already in the business leadership community, but we saw kind of really strengthen um, during, during the pandemic and kind of continue onwards. And, and it's something I hear, hear from members quite regularly sharing, sharing their experiences and that, I think having that ability to to distill it down and put it into to one place, I'm sure is is something that business leaders and head teachers and others will you know really welcome because there's there's so much information out there and and you know you you'll know far better than me about you know constantly kind of bombarded with this um you know things you need to do and having that kind of one stop shop almost is 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 actually really useful and, and important and uh, particularly around something that's that's so crucial for for schools what can people expect to find in the book what kind of topics or areas do do you kind of cover um a, as part of it um i'll probably start off by, by saying what isn't in the book because there's there is an awful lot crammed within the within the 10 chapters of the book. And I started off, I wanted to sort of put it into layman's terms, the book, because when I started my career within school business leadership, I found it very, a very daunting place. And I suppose it still is in a way because there's still lots and lots of things to learn. And when I started to write the book, it made me realise how much I actually didn't know, even though I had over 20 years of experience. Uh, and I suppose that didn't surprise me in a way because I wanted that CPD was very limited over the pandemic and I wanted something which was going to um, assist me and help me in my job. And through the research that I carried out, I think it really made me a more sort of rounded professional in a way. Um, but I think just before I talk about the um, contents of the book, one of the I found it quite difficult over the uh, over the pandemic. And I know I'm not alone here. And I've spoken to lots of other colleagues, and I, I suffered from quite poor mental health over over COVID. Certainly, the the, the first year, uh, probably year and a half, and it's things like this keeping, you know, something keep keeping my mind occupied all the time. I write in the book, but probably more importantly, the networks, the local SBL networks out there, and the national ones. They, they um, certainly work, the, the great work that the NAHT has done as well uh, into to sort of well-being and mental health. Those things really kept me, kept me going and ticking along. And I, and I think if it wasn't for those networks and those other colleagues who were going through similar things as well uh, and their openness, um, you know, let's not sort of shy away from that. It's, it's, it's important to be open about mental health. It's not, it's not a... It's not, it's not a dirty word. You shouldn't be afraid of it. I think being open with everybody and then being open with me it really helped 
Uh, and it sort of helped me on the journey of writing this book. And that's something I, I've actually been quite public about because it, it's important to, to share experiences and to, uh, we're all human at the end of the day. We have our limits. Uh, and I think people respond to that kind of thing and uh, can relate to that quite easily. I know I, know I do. Uh, but just going back to the, the contents of the book, um, again, it's it seemed quite, I've tried to sort of um, change the language of, of school business leadership in the book to make it more uh, of a sort of book that people can understand. Uh, so, so, for example, you know, governors could easily pick this up or head teachers could easily pick this book up and really sort of understand and get to grips quickly with the concepts that I'm referring to um, in, in the book. Uh, and there's things like, um, there's a ratio that I invented called the pandemic ratio. Uh, and and it's been nicknamed so many times, but I actually started to talk about this ratio with the uh, one of the, the uh, um, organisations that I work with, which is ABLED, the Association of Bain Business Leaders uh, in Education. And we nicknamed this um, ratio the ABLED ratio in the end because we were talking about it and testing it within the within the, um, the organisation. But it can be used within a pandemic, and it can also be used within a recession, and because we are. Um, you know, we're probably just about to sort of tip into a, a national recession. <clears throat> this kind of ratio is going to be absolutely crucial for school business leaders um, to not only add to their financial risk reduces, but to, in order to protect their schools and help their schools navigate the journey over the next uh, sort of year or two, uh, while things are sort of globally quite sort of uh, unstable within the, in the financial sector. But that's just one of the areas that I touch on. But I go from a range of um, looking at um, integrated financial planning and really sort of unpicking that because the big myth about integrated integrated curriculum financial planning or ICF, ICFP is that it can only be used in large schools but the actual concepts within a ICFP can be used in all schools you just need to pick the ones that are going to be useful to you and I've touched on a lot of the DFE metrics that are used in schools and again there's so many of them and the, the big thing that I try and get across in the book is that you don't have to use all these metrics and ratios, just pick out the ones that are useful for you. Uh, and I think I talk about over 20 different metrics and ratios within the book. But in reality, I probably only use about four or five of those in my day-to-day -day job. So you don't have to use everything, but what it does do is explains everything and then you can pick and choose what you want to use, and what you might find most useful for your schools. Thanks, Hisham. I think um, just before I kind of go into the, to the points you were making about um, what's in the book, I kind of wanted to echo what you were saying about um, that kind of openness and the difficulties that um, around mental health and well-being. Um, and I think that's something that we've been really mindful of um, even before the pandemic, but particularly uh, over the last few years, kind of the pressure and the toll that we've seen on members. Um, and, and, you know, um, hopefully you'll, you'll have seen that, you know, we had last year as our charity was the Education Support Partnership, and we've had a really big focus on, on wellbeing because we are uh, concerned about um, about the impact that, that that school leaders have been facing and and kind of the the personal toll it's toll it's taken on them um, as well and I, and I kind of really welcome the the openness that you that you've shared here and that others are sharing and and, and really kind of um, highlight the importance of of networks and that kind of peer to peer to peer support as well as that kind of um, sharing you know similar experiences and kind of that trying to 
and maybe alleviate some of that feeling of feeling isolated or alone or um, kind of trying to navigate what has been a really difficult and uncertain time. And I think you've touched on it that, you know, that, that probably isn't um, going to kind of recede anytime soon. There's still a lot of uncertainty and, and unsettledness kind of still around in, in the system. So the more we can kind of support each other and NHT obviously offers support for members as well. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, to, to thank you for kind of sharing that and kind of um, putting a spotlight on, on that as, as part of this conversation. In terms of what's what's in the book, I mean that sounds, uh, you know, as you're talking, I was kind of nodding, thinking, yeah, yeah, that's that's something that um, I've heard members talk about, business leaders, uh, head teachers, and and as a school governor myself, is certainly not an expert on this, uh, and would definitely welcome uh, it being broken down into um, uh, more accessible and and simple um, language, so that I can uh, more effectively engage and kind of interrogate a, a, as a school governor. Um, and I think your your point about um, IC, ICFP is really interesting, and, and I've definitely um, spoken with the department and with members around, you know, how how do we support uh, business leaders who maybe aren't in large schools or aren't in um, in the secondary phase to apply it for for their settings and some of the difficulties that that might be faced there, and kind of how to how to make that fit and work for for that for your setting really. And I think you're right that point around. Um, you know, there's a lot out there, but kind of making it fit with your context and your needs it, it is really important. And, and, and I think something that we kind of uh, try and encourage members to, to, to consider around that. So I think plenty, plenty for um, business leaders, head teachers, um, governors to, to take away and uh, to take away in there. One of the things I've heard you um, talk about around your book, Hushan, but previously is kind of um, the human element of um, financial planning or budgeting. And I'm really I'm really interested in that kind of concept. I wondered whether you could um, touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, certainly. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's something which has probably been around for uh, quite a while, but it's never really been uh, talked about much. And I think in the, yeah, in the book, I refer to this as holistic budget planning. And this is something which you know, I've started to use a lot now and certainly over the last couple of years I'm using it more and more uh, and this is where <clears throat> we sort of cross financial intelligence with emotion intelligence and as business school business leaders as uh, you know and in that I, I, I also put in head teachers as well as CEOs CFOs chief operating officers so, so I think those being in that position you, you obviously it's really important to be emotionally aware of your staff and their needs but where it comes into the sort of budget planning side is really sort of knowing and really understanding what the uh, not only the needs of your pupils because that's obviously the key thing and the parameters and limitations of your staff as well and an example of that would be if i've got um, a staff who i know is you know maybe sort of some mental health uh, needs issues and we need to adapt the way that they teach in order to get the most out of them but also to to support that staff member more in class as well, so that we're, we're sort of doing our duties as an employer, but also we're getting the most out of them so that the pupils uh, get the most benefits out of that member of staff as well. So that's where we really sort of bring in this more holistic approach to, um, to how we allocate uh, staff members um, across the curriculum. And I think this is going to become uh, a bigger thing uh, because we know ICFP is used extensively within 
within trusts of different sizes, certainly medium to large trusts. But looking at the 15 points from the, the education bill, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, the direction very much looks like, and I'm only saying looks like, um, and I will sit on the fence here because I have no sort of uh, preference in whether school is academy or, does, or doesn't go academy because I work with both. Um, but I think that there is a, certainly a, the way the wind is blowing, it looks like we are going towards <clears throat> more of a fully academized system. And certainly a couple of points within the, the education bill um, look like that um, they're in there to make things, make that change easier and smoother for schools, certainly around uh, faith schools and where the way sort of uh, land assets are, are treated. Uh, and also the, the new thing, the new stuff in there about local authorities um, being able to start up maps as well. And so, so the ICFP stuff will really sort of, um, I think, accelerate even more than it has already accelerated because it really has come into its own over the last five years. But certainly with more maps setting up, this is going to be um, this is going to be used more and more. And in that, that's where the holistic side comes in as schools look, different schools look at different ways to um, to sort of deploy their staff. And certainly within a, a time where, you know, I was looking, looking at the news today where they're looking at quarterly updates on energy prices the government are, uh, for, on, certainly on the domestic sector, I'm not sure about the commercial. Uh, but certainly from that perspective, if you're looking at, there's going to be more cost pressures on schools. So schools will be probably, will be, uh, not forced, but they'll be, be encouraged more to look at how they utilise ICFP within their, when they're sort of modelling their budgets and deploying their, their staff across the curriculum. That's really interesting. I think kind of feeds into some of the conversations we've had around that kind of um, relationship with business and, and pedagogy. Um, what would be really interesting to get your thoughts on is how do you kind of underpin that that kind of um, relationship? How do you build that kind of uh, holistic approach? And, and, and I'm guessing, um, you know, there's going to be something around that relationship between, you know, the head teacher and the business leader, for example. Um, so it'd just, it'd just be interesting to see how you what your thoughts or your experiences around kind of um, making that work in practice. The relationship between the, uh, the head and the uh, school business leader is, I, in my opinion, I might sound a bit biased here, but I think it is probably the most important professional relationship within the school, uh, within the school staff uh, and I've been lucky where I've had some <clears throat> I've worked with some great head teachers and that um, that sort of relationship between us has been uh, really sort of nurtured and those heads have really valued that, that relationship and they value really value the role of the school business leader uh, and I know in some schools they're, 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 they're probably not as that some of those relationships aren't as valued as much talking to, 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 to peers uh, that I'm in contact with um, and I know there's still some way to go on that, but it's uh, it's it's something which I think is is improving definitely. And I've certainly seen a massive improvement in my career in the way school business leadership is seen within within schools. I think it's a role <clears throat> as important as the head. And something which I do sort of touch on within the book is I think if you look at the way the NHS <clears throat> chief executive model works, I think we're we're not far away now from school business leaders becoming CEOs of trusts. Because if you think about it, it's they've got pre 
pr pretty much most of the, the skill sets. But I suppose it, we have to ask ourselves as well, what skill sets do CEOs of trusts need for the future? And especially in a time where uh, financial challenge is going to be up there with the sort of curriculum needs of the pupils. I wonder if we could just quickly um, kind of double back to some of the points that you were making earlier and then and then I think that links into kind of your follow-on point about the kind of the ongoing financial pressures. What can this book do in terms of and I think you touched on it slightly about your um, your recession and your um, the recession proof formula. Um, but what, how can this book kind of help schools who are emerging and from kind of I want to say post COVID, but we're still we're still kind of uh, in it in many ways. Um, but, but but kind of post COVID world and uh, you know looking at that kind of ongoing financial uncertainty, you know, with the rising energy prices, uh, for example. Um, what what are the kind of takeaways there and the, the ways to kind of bolster that kind of at least planning element uh, as much as possible? And the way I found it quite useful is where I've got schools that are showing in near deficits, which is the majority of my schools, um, purely because of the, the you know, financial pressures, uh, rising inflation, energy prices, that type of thing. I mean, and the classic example is I've got a school where their energy bill was around about £35,000 last year, but we're estimating about 125000 for this new financial year. Um, so that's a, it's an eye-watering increase, and that's a, that's a couple of members of staff potentially. Um, but what the book does, it really sort of encourages you to look at your financial performance data. Um, certainly percentages when you're looking at um, staffing, percentages of staffing costs to overall expenditure and income. Um, and, it, and it sort of encourages you to operate within certain threshold parameters so, so that you don't go overspent. But I know that's easier said than done. But one of the one of the other things which I also discuss in the book is how to how to utilize historic data, financial data, in order to build a picture of the, the, the financial journey that the school has been on uh, and is actually and is going to be going on in the future. And that's especially useful if you're uh, if you're a business leader in a, in a new school that you're you know, new, to, to new to the job or you've just moved to another school to, 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 as a school business leader. But I think where that will come into its own is in the due diligence that um, trusts will do all local authorities when they're when schools are uh, converting to go into an academy trust or they're just converting to go into uh, you know to become an academy with the local authority um, so so what the book does it encourages you to look uh, more forensically at your uh, uh, and do that sort of due diligence exercise to make sure the school is financially viable but to make sure that there's no surprises uh, and you have and that no stone stone has been left unturned as well um, I see some of the due diligence that I see, uh, I don't think go into enough detail, uh, but what the what the book does, it really sort of gives, tells you, it sort of encourages you to look at the past, where, where the school is now, but also where the school, the journey that the school is on as well financially. And I think with all that sort of performance data and, and holistic data, that you can, uh, if you are looking to convert to go to an academy, you, you get a really sort of good feel and understanding of where that school is. And where the, where the risks lie and that's something which trusts um look at uh, and should be looking at all the time because you, you, you want to do that due diligence thanks usham and i think hopefully some um useful uh tips in there um uh, which is obviously picked up in in far more detail in in your book you've 
briefly mentioned about, you know, the kind of the changes of the SBL role and the relationship and, and kind of the the way it's kind of increased responsibility and, and kind of grown over the last number of years now. What challenges do you see for the sector kind of in the coming in the coming years? And um, what kind of what do you think the future looks like for, for school business profession? I think it's very exciting, but also I think there's a lot, lot more stuff coming our way. I think where we when I started the profession, it was very much one school business manager, one school. Uh, and then you know, when I think going back to 2012, that sort of myth got blown out of the water when academisation started, and really started to gain momentum. I think the, the CFO, Chief Operating Officer here role is um, here to stay. And that seems to be the sort of natural progression for school business leaders from one school going in and looking at the multiple schools. But I'd say the main the main challenges are certainly going to be around compliance. There's a consultation, I think, which is about to under, be undertaken on school funding, which which is mainly uh, for which is for maintained schools because uh, they're looking at uh, more of a uh, centralised approach in the way funding is distributed and bypassing local authorities. So I think the accountability and the compliance mechanisms are going to be the biggest challenges, certainly for maintained schools um, and also for academies because obviously the BFR has changed uh, this year with the way that's uh, it's been streamlined. Um, so, so the way, so definitely reporting could become a, a big uh, big sort of difference. Maintained schools could report to their local authority. Maybe when the, the findings from the funding consultation actually say that those maintained schools need to uh, report directly to the um, to the ESFA. Uh, and then certainly um, cyber security as well. That's something which really sort of raised its head last year. But I see that as a, as a big sort of uh, challenge. And we've all had some very high profile cases where Trusts have been um, literally, uh, from an IT perspective, taken down through ransomware attacks uh, and stuff like that. And I think it's uh, now it's um, it's a reportable item. But uh, but just going back to compliance, that that's obviously going to be key. The way we report, the look at the way that we look at our data, uh, how we use that data to make decisions, and um, managing multiple schools. I think those are the, probably the the biggest things that school business leaders are going to be required to uh, upskill themselves in. Uh, we know there's a gap between a financial gap in knowledge between uh, working at one school and like maintain and then going into an academy. I've done it myself. It is a big gap, but it's a gap which is certainly bridgeable. Uh, and there's a lot of really, really good effective training out there to help school business leaders uh, with their continuous professional development to help them work in, in academies and make that sort of transition. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't do it without that uh, training. It's very important. Uh, so there's quite a lot of things, really. Certainly, you can't sort of point to one thing, but because of the breadth of what we're required to know within school business leadership, if you'd asked me sort of a year ago, would energy come onto the agenda? No, but now obviously it is because of the stuff that's happening uh, internationally. Uh, and I know a lot of business leaders have skilled themselves a lot more in procurement and how they look at energy colleagues are doing a lot of good work on sort of sustainability that's going to be massive in the future as well i think i read something at the weekend around the condition of school buildings which has always been something which is discussed about but it's something which, which has been, again been brought to the forefront uh, over the weekend through the press uh, and again we look at ways of saving energy we've got a lot of schools with with aging buildings and you know, it's really important that there's 
government have sufficient plans to, to to sort of rebuild and refurbish schools because the, the way energy prices are we need to make sure that our schools are not only efficient but um sustainable absolutely uh yeah i was re reading that article article myself usham and um uh, around the kind of the needs of the of the school estate and obviously as you said links to kind of a number of of other areas as well so uh, yeah i think you're right there's there's going to be a lot a lot of um possibilities and challenges kind of coming in in the few years and 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 um welcomed your thoughts around the kind of the importance of that kind of continuing professional development and support to kind of bridge those and 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 work with what what's coming down the line so thank you so much for um taking the time to um to to meet with us um and have a chat with me today um just before i go i suppose one final question is is there's there one if people you know if you only wanted to say one thing or as a, as a takeaway that people would get from the book what would that um what would that be oh now you put me on the spot um <laughs> oh that's a good one something something which i sort of my mantra is don't don't wait for cpd to find you, go and find it. Uh, and that's something I've always done. And that was part of the reason why I wrote the book is because I didn't want to wait for something to come along. I thought, I don't know enough about this area. I'll go and research everything I can possibly think of on this area. And then I'll write something and then I'll publish it, uh, which is exactly what I've done. So I'm just going and sharing that knowledge. And, and I, I suppose the other thing is as well, if you do this is something school business leaders are really good at, and that's sharing what they know. Uh, and again, I'll just continue to echo what other school business leaders do. Keep sharing that wonderful knowledge that you have, because I know that I've benefited from it. And I use that the stuff that I learned from other school business leaders. We can't know everything. One of my sort of um, outlooks on life is you can't know everything. Or maybe if we just know a little bit about a lot of things, and then we can always go and find out more if we need to. And Husham will be at the School Business Leaders Conference at the King's House Conference Centre in Manchester on Thursday the 7th of July. It's called Thriving in a Climate of Change. There is more about it online at naht.org.uk forward slash SBL. And there really will be some fascinating discussions there on things like challenging old assumptions and business models and really understanding how you can set a different and more effective course as an SBL. Now, the discount code is POD10, which you need to apply on the first step of the checkout process. POD10, that's POD and the number 10. POD10, and it's an exclusive 10% discount. So make sure you enter it over at NEHT org.uk forward slash sbl well thank you as always for listening to the school leadership podcast all future episodes from us can easily be yours by subscribing on the place where you get yours so apple podcasts google podcasts spotify amazon live or Radio Public. Uh, there's also Stitcher, which we've added to the list. We're also keen to hear what you have to say about the kind of things we're doing in the podcast. And if you're able to take a few minutes to write an online review about it, that would be much appreciated. NEHT is a professional association and union for school leaders. To discover more about the benefits of being an NEHT member, go online to neht.org.uk forward slash join. And you can follow our social media account on Twitter. It's at NEHT News. Until next time, take care. For regular and useful content on the teaching profession, it has to be the School Leadership Podcast.
Leadership Podcast. The School Leadership Podcast. The School Leadership Podcast.